0: Hi there, David Mendes here and this week on the Papa PhD podcast, I'm bringing you a treasure from the vault. One of my favorite conversations of season 2 of the show, my conversation about diversity and inclusion in academia with Shaz Zamor. If you're new to the show, welcome. And if you're a returning listener, thanks for being a fan. Independently of which one you are, I'd really love to get to know you better. So if you have a minute, Go to papaphd.com forward slash audience and please fill in the audience survey I have there for you. And now for my conversation with Shaz Zamor.
1: I started to realize that there was nobody to look forward to, to say, okay, this is how you do it. This is what the decision is, because what I want to do is not really something that's been done before. Uh, Not exactly. Otherwise, why am I doing it? And so... It stops being looking ahead and seeing who's advanced, who's further, who's better, who can tell me things and start looking to the side and saying, who's doing something different? How are they accessing their path to success? How are they managing their work-life balance? How are they succeeding? Who are my allies? Who are, who are people who I feel safe around as we move forward together?
0: Welcome to today's episode of Papa PhD. Today with me, I have Shaz Zamor. Shaz is a neuroengineer and STEAM Outreach Coordinator at CU Boulder. Looking to revolutionize access to STEAM learning, Shaz is creating innovative, interactive tools aimed at intersectional, minoritized middle school students. Outside of work, Shaz has a penchant for creative coding, snowboarding, baking bread, and woodworking. Welcome to Papa PhD, Shaz.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here.
0: I'm super happy to have you here and uh I think uh it's it's not going to be difficult for listeners to uh, uh, consider the the idea that diversity is uh, is a very present question in our society. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's something we'll have to focus uh in the near future and then going forward and that's why I'm super excited to have you here because uh, this is something that is very close to your heart and that mm-hmm. you Work on, and I think uh it's going to be really interesting to have this conversation because i've j- I've just recently uh, the day we we're recording published um, uh, an interview for example about being a-, a woman in academia and you know having kids et cetera et etc and inclusivity is something that i think the 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 field uh, the, the steam fields gain with but there's there's a culture that maybe comes from far behind that has some resistance to this change. Yeah. And yeah. this is why I'm really, really happy to have you here today to talk yeah. about this.
1: I'm I'm so excited to talk about it. It's such a it's a cool time now to see it being brought to the forefront and seeing so many institutions really taking it seriously and really trying to take risks to see how they can make these changes and and start to integrate a little bit more. And so, yeah, I, I think about it a lot. I, I work on it pretty much 24-7 <laughs> <laughs> um, in all these different avenues. So I'm, I'm really excited to get into it. So
0: to begin, uh, maybe just uh, give a little introduction of, of who you are. Uh, you know, as a neuroengineer, uh, what what is it that that you do? Sure. And uh, specifically, I would really love you to also give a, a little overview of what you do relating to this aspect of of uh, inclusion and diversity. And also, you mentioned that you see things happening around you. I'd love you to share a little bit about that,
1: too. Absolutely. So I'm Shaz, a.k.a. Dr. Z. My pronouns are they, them. I'm non-binary. I am a neuroengineer. I work at the Atlas Institute, which is a, a creative tech institute at CU Boulder. And as a neuroengineer, I like to build, design, Fantasized gadgets that will augment or help us explore how our nervous systems work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, primarily, I've m- most recently, I should say, I've been using uh, VR and 3D gaming platforms like Unity 3D to create these tools for exploring vision and other scientific explorations. So kind of taking these tools that are amazing and powerful and people are using them for really entertainment and Mm -hmm. catering them, designing them for uh, more scientific exploration. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, I came to this path quite interestingly. I, I really love neuroscience. I have a PhD in neuroscience. Um, But I, I realized looking back at my, all of my projects, The part that I did the best was coming up with the experimental setup, building wind tunnels, making these VR arenas, um, all sorts of devices, building devices, making all sorts of designing my own circuits, writing my own code, really creating the the environment. Um, And then moving forward, thinking about where I can actually make an impact and some progress. That was really it. It wasn't really so much, what's the assessment that I can make? It's what's the tools that I can build? How can we best answer this question? Uh, Which leads really nicely into diversity and inclusion, which is kind of, so one half of my job is this creative portion, making all of these tools and gadgets for exploration and now learning uh, neuroscience, learning neuroscience and learning about how our bodies work. And then the other half is uh, helping the Atlas Institute get better integrated in various levels of the community. So integrated throughout CU Boulder, integrated in the tech community that's burgeoning in the Boulder, the front range areas, that's Boulder, Denver, Fort Collins. Um, And then... Uh, also how it integrates in in the general public what, what's our online presence like what are we doing in the actual physical community mm-hmm. um, and Boulder is a really interesting place to do this uh, Colorado is a really interesting place to do this because its demographics are not very it's more typical for the Southwest but not typical of the like the demographic of the country uh, where mm-hmm. we see the the largest minoritized group in Colorado is uh, Lat- Latinx the Latino community. And then there's a a pretty sizable Asian and Pacific American, Pacific Islander uh, community. And then there's a fairly small Black community and of course a very small Indigenous community. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a different shift where a lot of people tend to uh, reach for the needs of uh, uh, Black communities, which they absolutely should. Here, the target and what people have been working on and, and looking at who's around us has been looking at the Latinx community, which is a, a whole new wealth of, of problems to solve for me. Which is it's a fun it's a fun way to expand uh, and mm-hmm. see what's out there. Uh, so I'm I'm integrated and thinking about diversity all of the time with my uh, very brand new company, Craniate. Um, I'm making these uh, informal STEM kits that and comics that uh, feature kids from, really they're kids from the hood. They're kids from all over. They look like all different, you know, there's a, a Muslim character. There's a character in a wheelchair. Uh, we have a, a single parent household. Are we really just trying to get uh, uh, an image of what my childhood was really like. Um, and so now with Craniate, uh, I'm creating these tools that are or kits that help these students that really are not included in the educational studies, <laughs> uh, which is a lot of LGBTQ kids. It's hard to find data on how LGBTQ plus kids learn in the classroom, especially in STEM. Yeah. Who is in STEM? Like like that's that data we're not collecting that data as in general. Uh, and then low income, uh, other other minoritized groups: ba- Black, Indigenous, uh, Pacific Islander, um, Latinx. Uh, just trying to to make something for them, by them, <laughs> uh, and and see what what is your version of STEM, and how does it show up in your life, and what are the problems that uh, STEM helps you solve. Um, and that that's really where where my heart lies there's a there's a long little blather there but
0: (laughs) it's it's super super interesting and just a few days ago uh an episode came out uh um, i believe yeah this american life and um this this guy was interviewed he came from a black community i think in chicago now i don't remember exactly but he 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 said that uh he had to change it was a bit about you know code switching he had to even change like his accent Mm -hmm. because in grad school well he was the only one coming from that demographic Mm -hmm. and he felt that he if he like let's say in a journal club or in a in whatever in a meeting he would just talk the way he talked at home that he wouldn't be taken seriously yeah eventually he became a psychologist and he's you know (laughs) well renowned etc but it's interesting to to think, you know, how can you create tools? And, and clearly, you're you're a, a maker type person, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you like to. And uh, well people haven't heard this, but while we were uh, in in the green room, Shaz talked about the workshop where there's woodwork stuff happening. Yeah. So it's interesting <laughs> to see how how you can apply different skills and different uh, uh, passions that you have. At different levels in your life, making things physically, but then also solving problems in the community. I really, really love that. And uh, and uh, cartoons and and uh, comics for kids is clearly a way to reach them. And now uh, I find this really interesting. And I imagine also that given the the composition, the demographic composition that you that you described earlier there must be also some cultural aspects to having, you know, access to how many of these kids are LGBTQ. You know, are they, are, are they out? Are they not out? Yeah. It might be, depending on which community they come from, that there might be difficulties there too. I don't know if if there's something, uh, well, in, in what you do, but that you see around you that's helping also uh, kids who are in, in this kind of... Uh, um, you know, gray area to mm-hmm. to find resources that can help them. You know, find their their tribe and and then also envision themselves in the position of, oh, I'll be a researcher. Yes, I'll be a scientist. Yeah, for example.
1: Yeah, it, there's so many layers to to that point of the problem of accessing, getting to these kids, and that the kids might identify as LGBTQ and the parents might, and anything you're doing with children involves an adult, right? And it should mm-hmm. um, mm. in most cases. And and so it's hard to, and, and then the parents, you know, even if, if the parents are accepting of their child and, and supportive of their child, you're not sure if that communication travels all the way through. So there's mm. it's a really challenging, it's something that just needs attention it needs minds on the problem right but Mm -hmm. like that's Mm -hmm. that's more of an indicator of like oh we should pay more attention to this oh we should put more energy effort money into this uh because there are so many problems with just finding out who (laughs) getting the numbers (laughs) the starting point uh it's already it's already a problem just getting there um yeah so so i think my my solution to that is really just putting the content out there and then trying not to make it so that a student has to identify, has to name themselves, has to out themselves in order to get access to it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a, it's a really, it's a confounding problem.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Social media helps
1: somewhat. Social media helps somewhat. There's, there's enough independence I think in social media for better or for worse with, uh, with youth that you can get an idea of, of who's out there and what they're interested in uh, without worrying about filters or negative impacts from from family
0: mm-hmm. yeah. and in a way it's there's a parallel between what i'm trying to do with papa phd and what you just say, what you just mentioned which is you know in my case i'm i'm trying to have you know if a listener who's now finishing maybe their phd mm-hmm. can't envision themselves in the private sector in industry or in you know in something that is not the lab they see the examples of people who did it, mm-hmm. and that will kind of make it easier. Oh, okay, they look like me, they sound like me, and they're doing this thing that is, that is outside academia. Oh, maybe I can look into that too. And I th- I feel that the process that you meant, the, 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 or the, the 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 thing that you're trying to do, it's kind of that is They don't need to say anything, but if if they're reading something where someone who looks and sounds like them is doing this, yeah. is following this path, they can say, oh, you know what? I hadn't thought that I could be this this person in the yeah. future
1: and and in and also like the other part of that is is showing them almost that there aren't paths, it's just a field <laughs> you can go any which way yeah, uh yeah, yeah I firmly think that one of the biggest lies that we were, have ever been told is that we have to be one thing, and I think mm-hmm. it does a lot of people disservice, I think it especially does. Uh, minoritized and intersectional kids into service because i don't i don't know a single and we were talking before uh, we started recording about about code switching. And mm-hmm. how, you know, people are, you know, you show up, especially minoritized groups, especially black, uh, trans I mean, I could the, the whole long list. The how in, in one <laughs> sphere you behave and you act one way and in another sphere you behave and you act another way. What also comes with that is you're doing different things. You're going to have different skills that you apply in this sphere where mm-hmm. you're in code one. And then you're going to have a different skill set that you're applying in code two. And mm-hmm. nobody talks about how that helps your career how that applies mm-hmm. to your career. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, it's also showing that there's so much out there. There's so much out there that you can do. <laughs> uh, and true. any one of your skill sets, I mean, especially, I mean, mm-hmm. scientists today, we're all so interdisciplinarily trained, right? Every, everything kind of needs something else. You can't do biology without engineering, right? Um, for example, and so we, we have this skill set that's very, very broad, almost inherently, uh, and then we don't lean on it when it comes to thinking about careers because, mm-hmm. you know, academia is very, they put blinders on and you're very narrow now myopic almost like I can mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. This is what you do with a PhD. This is the path that you go on instead of going, well, I learned how to build a wind tunnel and I learned how some some very solid basics on thermodynamic flow. I can do this. I can go over here. I've learned how to program. I'm really great with analytics. I can do this. I can go over here, right? And then in my own hobbies at home, I snowboard a lot. But let's say I mm. teach my all of my friends. I've taught them how to snowboard. Okay, that's a path. That's an option, right? There's sure. so it's 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 really employing your skill set as maximally as you can. Mm.
0: It's true, and and it's true that that you know. People who are now going through grad school or to university, compared even to like like you or myself, who's even a little bit older, uh, they they know so much even in terms just of of you know computers, all the all all these things. Mm-hmm. Again, you t- you mentioned Twitter before, just social media. Mm-hmm. Those are skills too yeah and 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 not only skills, it's networking, yep, which at that age, I didn't have a network <laughs> at all right <laughs> yeah and now now it's so easy to to be on a platform like this and find a tribe and be in touch with people in the at the at the on the other side of the planet i I really agree with you with this and and it's true that. Our parents, our grandparents, often had this thing of one career, and then uh, there was a Rolex at the end. You mm-hmm. know, and then there was mm-hmm. a retirement, and it's true that it's not the reality today anymore. It's true that because of globalization, because of because of evolution of things, yeah. I, I really, really agree. Now, uh, we you know we went quickly uh, uh, over, or you, you went quickly quickly over your PhD uh, and and how how you got interested in science and. We, you talked also about diversity, the different de- demographics that are, for example, uh, in Colorado where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'd really, maybe, I really want you to share, maybe, uh, what if 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 you have seen changes between when you went through grad school uh, or university and what you see uh, happening today in terms of you know being a woman, being a woman of color, being being a non-binary woman of color. Can you talk a little bit about a little bit about the good things that you're seeing happening and how they compare to maybe some experiences that that you've had
1: yeah, um yeah, so so i I did identify as a woman for most i mean i've I've always identified as gender queer, but like i've I've occupied women's spaces and and had that mm-hmm. experience for most of my uh, career um and i it's <laughs> it's a tough question, so it's changed and then hasn't changed. <laughs> uh, there are definitely, I've seen a lot more top-down efforts. I've seen a lot more uh, administration and uh, kind of structural changes that go in, DEI positions, DEI committees, okay. uh, just this focus on evaluating, uh, truly evaluating how uh, faculty, students are are engaging and and. Participating in diversity and, and part in and most importantly inclusive efforts, which is a cultural shift, yeah. uh, not just a numerical shift. Um, so, I've seen a lot more of that, and that's really great. I think it's, I feel personally, and it might just be where I am in my career and the kind of accolades I have behind me at this point, but I feel much more comfortable speaking out when mm-hmm. something is not okay than I did before. Uh, I feel like Even if I was, and I often am, the only black person in the room and somebody Mm -hmm. says something, and no pun intended, off-color, I feel like if I were to stand up and say something, my white colleagues would be in support, right? Like that's something that I think certainly didn't happen in grad school for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, uh, um, So that's nice. I like to see that. But then there's also... I think we haven't quite had the collective realization about how much has to change um, to, to actually make a truly inclusive environment. Um, And so in that frame, there's kind of like at the individual level at, at like the bottom up, like who, how are we rallying to really care about that? That's still Mm -hmm. lacking Um, again, because I think we frankly just don't sit down and have the practice of thinking about what the future is what's it going to look like what's it what's the classroom physically going to look like what's a lecture Mm. actually going to contain how are Mm. all of these things we sit down and quantify so much as scientists as thinkers but we're not sitting down and quantifying what that actually (laughs) what's it going to look like what's the end result going to be how do we actually predict this there's no practice of that um and so it's kind of like this big hand wavy gray mass and we're like yeah we're making it better but you <laughs> you can't actually make it better if you don't have a goal in mind and so there we really need to see that progress still
0: it feels like we need to have some uh inclusiveness minded uh ux specialists, you know u- user experience specialists, to kind of model <laughs> what it's going to actually feel like for the for the, the users who are in this case the the students yeah uh, yeah question are there you know you have you've, you've had to clearly from what you're saying deal with some 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 difficulties and mm-hmm. some exclusion mm-hmm. in, in, or you know in, in your in your path but were there um strategies were there things you did or or people in your path that 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 were helpful and that you can uh you know that yeah that were helpful with that yeah and are there is there some advice for someone who's now at this institution or even in this group? Sometimes it's just that there's group dynamics, right? There's there's group yeah. culture that is there is somehow not um, so accepting and uh, and that's that's difficult. Or is there some advice you can give based on your experience of you know overcoming these obstacles and coming out stronger after?
1: Yeah. Uh, and my my advice is echoed by research, (laughs) Mm -hmm. have a support group, have a support group, have a support group, have a support group, have people you can go and go back to your base code, go back to that natural language, drop your guard, you know, be yourself, be really comfortable. You got to have those, especially as any sort of minoritized, especially it's intersectional, uh, have your support group. For intersectional people, I will acknowledge it's super hard. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Like for me, for example, black spaces aren't always queer-friendly spaces. Queer-friendly spaces aren't always black-friendly spaces. And so Mm -hmm. it's a really hard thing to navigate. But it's still, even if you're not fully relaxed, even if you can't find a black queer space, for example, that combination, even those little bits that you get, those steps that you get, if it's a single person even, it goes so far. Uh, there was one fellow who I think about as my mentor. I can't. I know his name is Ed. I can't remember his last name, uh, mm-hmm. but he was uh, a new faculty. He was working in uh, molecular biology at UW. I was in P-Bio, so we were in the same hallway, mm-hmm. and I would see him in the hallway. we just kind of wave at each other walking by, mm-hmm. and then Wendy just like pulled me aside. We just started chatting, and then anytime I saw him, we would just like stop in the hallway and chat for two or three minutes, and maybe we got a coffee. And it was just this idea it really created this sense of 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 culture for me mm-hmm. in academia of what i really it it nurtured a thing I needed, and it set the precedent right like here's someone when we, when I see someone frequently, you're part of my community. I mm-hmm. should have a relationship with you <laughs> to some <laughs> degree mm-hmm. uh, and so in that that that's someone that I think about a lot. That's a, it's a behavior I think about a lot. How can I bring that forward? Uh, And I think things like that are also really important. Like looking at how people give you the cultural needs, meet your cultural needs and how you can help that with some, bring that to somebody else. Yeah.
0: I don't know about you and, and I must say I enjoy all the interviews I do, but During this conversation with Chaz, I felt so inspired, and and the funny thing is, editing it afterwards and preparing the episode for the launch, I also felt this inspiration and this positivity after just listening to our conversation. So I hope you're enjoying this one Uh, today, and because we're talking of diversity in academia and inclusion inclusivity in academia, I'm going to uh, ask you if you feel inspired and if you can, to go support a platform that promotes diversity in academia. You can do so by going to ko-fi.com forward slash diversity in academia. I'll drop the link in the show notes and buy them a coffee. Or if you know of platforms around you that promote uh, diversity and this type of programs, well, go support them. Go see if they need help, if they need a hand, or if they need financial support, if that's what you can offer. As Chaz was mentioning just before, a lot of this has to do with culture, with changing culture. And changing culture takes a lot of work. So, any little help will be precious. And actually, feel free to reach out to me if you have uh, inspiring organizations or or other types of platforms that you think I could promote or support, and I'll add them to the show notes of this episode. Thanks for being a listener and for your generosity. And now, let's go back to my conversation with Chaz Zamore. So, it feels like th- this person saw you, or saw something in you, but at least didn't see you as your color, didn't see you as how you dressed... There was some. There was a something that clicked and that that made that bridge of communication. And often, especially, I'm thinking of grad school. You you know, we can be very, very. Uh, we you know, uh, we have this like tunnel vision of of work, and our antennas might not be turned out to these possibilities of creating bridges with other people. Mm-hmm. And w- you mentioned having having uh, groups of of like minded people or. Or people in in your uh, in your tribe, let's say, and I think this is very important. It's funny, It's funny because often I mention, I tell people, if you like, I don't know, science policy, and and you know, create a group around science policy. But and here it's exactly the same thing. But it's it's about about what your tribe is and and where you can feel safe and lower your guard, etc. I think it's super super important. But you know, you you you'd mentioned the word mentor, and mentors mentors are not easy for everyone to come by. Mm-hmm. But often it's a question of having your antennas turned out and, and being and being receptive of the signal of okay, this person is seeing me and yep. is is reaching out to me independently of all these tags that can be you know that that can define me to other people. This is you know I think this is an opportunity to to not to be missed. Yeah. How, how do you, you know? I don't know. It's it's not. It, I'm, and I'm I'm having a hard time formulating this because I've really had uh, I, I I like talking about mentorship, mm-hmm. but like half half of the people, especially going through grad school in STEM, haven't had someone they consider a mentor in their in their path, and then half of them do, and I haven't been able to find. It, it feels like part of it is luck. Mm-hmm. But I think it's attention attention to, to these signals. I yeah. don't know if you have a comment on that.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think, I think part of the reason why that question might be so hard is because I think it's hard to define what a mentor is. And everybody That's has true. a different definition. I think generally you look for a mentor as someone who you can feel safe with. I think that's kind mm-hmm. of priority one. You can be vulnerable around, uh, and who can? It's kind of like almost like a coach where they're they're guiding you, but they're not. You are you are independently growing your skill set with this little these little taps and nudges from this person that mm-hmm, you trust. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so when you think yeah. about it in that definition, it means that a mentor can be anybody. And so mm-hmm. I i have clear and defined mentors especially going through my my more traditional academic path right? Mm-hmm. my advisors my faculty advisors etc um people who are in like black scientists queer scientists people who are kind of like in my identifying communities mm-hmm. uh, or identity communities and then uh once i once i left uh academia briefly and then i came running back because <laughs> <laughs> it works that way sometimes um yeah. i i started to realize that my there was nobody to look forward to to mm-hmm. say okay this is how you do it this is what the decision is because what i want to do is not really something that's been done before mm-hmm. uh not exactly otherwise why mm-hmm. am i doing it and so it stops being looking ahead and seeing who's advanced, who's further, who's better, who can tell me things, and start looking to the side and saying who's doing something different? How are they accessing their path to success? How are they managing their work life balance? How are they succeeding? Who are my allies? Who are who are people who I feel safe around as we move forward together? Mm-hmm. And that I like has really shifted how i move how i how the networking i make the decisions that i make uh i talk to a lot of young uh entrepreneurs I, like and uh, to get advice right? like yeah. people yeah. who are just figuring it out people who haven't registered their business yet and we're all talking and having this conversation and i'm learning from them and being vulnerable they're my mentor
0: That's yeah it. i know it, it totally makes sense so so just a question a practical mm-hmm. question Someone who's listening and who who it's, it's you know it's resonating with what you just said. Where are you having these conversations on on what platform or platforms, and how are you finding these people?
1: Yeah, now everything's online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now, everything's yeah. on Twitter. Just to um, clarify, <laughs> we're
0: we're still in the COVID pandemic, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true um, that. It's it's you're not gonna have coffee with these people, right? <laughs> today, I, I, I actually
1: I've had a couple. Uh I go for coffee walks where we're we're outside oh, okay. and 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 mostly masked except when sipping and mm-hmm, keeping mm-hmm. A, a social and distance, a but like yeah. getting to enjoy <laughs> being outside, which is important, and then being around each other. So I do I do go on coffee walks with a couple of folks, but I'm mostly oh, finding great. people through Instagram. I've I've been actually quite shocked at the the business connections that I've made through Instagram. That's oh, wow. cool. Uh, and twitter a little bit um, but a, a, a good amount comes through the structures that are at c u Boulder so c u boulder is exceptional at uh nurturing a, an environment for entrepreneurs exceptional okay. uh, really great support, really great um i p rules like it's really easy to to create something and keep it. Um, mm-hmm. And so that has been a really great place, mostly just because I'm I'm an entrepreneur and I'm trying to, that's where I'm going. So mm-hmm. looking around and just seeing what what resources are accessible in my immediate physical community has been a really great way to, to find people. Um, and then in, in conferences, just the, and not in the traditional way, right? So going to talks is great. Chatting with people is great. But when I go to the socials, I try not to talk about research. I try not to talk about science. I try to talk about, what games are you playing? Uh, what's mm-hmm. a hobby you've picked up? Like, who are you as a person? Uh, and making that that gain that way. And I've I've found that has been my most successful path. Mm-hmm. I think I've found the broadest reach of networks and the most beneficial networks um, by by just asking unusual questions in places where people are expected to be stereotypes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, another question is: Now you know you, you're you're networking uh, in and you're becoming uh, an entrepreneur you you also have this mission of helping kids see themselves in a, in a, in a, in a future that is uh, that is connected to to the steam field yeah and see themselves no matter their their origin no matter their their background which is really cool uh do you see um that you know some or do you have some examples of young people you've seen uh kind of flourishing into this into this new image of themselves, and i just i'm just I just wonder what this looks like today, and if not, maybe how what do you envision based on the efforts you're making and that you see that the top down efforts you see that are being made how do what do you envision as the what's what's gonna happen in five ten years and what do you feel the impact is of making these things happen and making university and, and graduate school more inclusive
1: yeah great question um so i'll talk i'll talk a little bit about uh what's happening with these kids and then i'll, I'll talk about like what my my vision is for what mm-hmm. what steam will look like <laughs> um so with with these with craniate with these comics and this experiment kit um we're really trying to craft uh, a broader sweep of science identities which is this very complex uh uh phenomena where we were primates we're social animals and we i primarily identify we're very visual creatures most of Mm. us and so we see whether ignore all the politics we see ourselves we look for features of ourselves in our community to get Mm -hmm. ideas of what is feasible, to intuit, intuit what works and what doesn't work. And so if you cannot make that connection, you can't make these intuitions and these guesses and take educated risks to move forward. Mm -hmm. And so this happens to a lot of these students who aren't included in the image of what a scientist looks like, what a technologist looks like, an engineer, a mathematician, or what those types of engineering, what STEM actually is, the problem Mm -hmm. that they're actually solving, right? So it's, it's not just who's doing it, it's what problems are valued, right? So if you're subterrestrial and everybody's working on all these terrestrial and arboreal problems, yeah, you're not going to think that's for you because none of these things apply to you directly. And so the the main push here is to start to create an avenue where these kids can just access that and see, oh, yeah, I love art. I didn't realize that art is geometry. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I love music. I didn't realize that music is really complex math and programming right? (laughs) but this means now there's a there's a relationship that i have to this more technical thing that's tied to my passion and now i'm going to be more motivated to learn about it Mm -hmm. and so and there's tons and tons of studies on this that once you have these kind of exposures and this relationship that your uh, attitudes towards stem feel much more positive right it makes more sense and I, I've always said by, throughout my whole career that if you want engineers, go to the hood because we're constantly figuring out how to do things because nobody's doing anything for us. <laughs> <And> <laughs> you see these kids that figure out how to duct, duct tape their car and you kind of mm-hmm. joke about like, oh, you got duct tape on your car. But think about what that means. You have to know where to apply force. You have to know how to like make sure that the surface is clean so you get a good stick in order for that mm-hmm. to be a successful solution. That's all the same <laughs> kind of skill set that you employ when you're doing any kind of engineering. (laughs) It's just what we call it is something different, right? Mm -hmm. When you think about black hairstyles and how they do all these intricate things with braids, that's materials engineering, (laughs) but you don't think about it because we call (laughs) it something else. Um, And so if we start to really break down these very rigid ideas of like, well, I have to call biomechanics this, and start saying, oh, well, when I see a dancer, when I see people crumping or, or uh, animation where they have this amazing, amazing physical control, we mm-hmm. can go and talk to those dancers about biomechanics. When you start to break down those walls, you start to really see what STEM can actually be. Uh, mm-hmm. And you start to really think of who is going to be involved, right? And so I I like to do this practice when it comes to imagining what's what the future is going to look like. I like to imagine I'm in a hallway in a university and I'm walking down the hallway and I'm looking in the rooms and I'm seeing what... Is different. Maybe the hallway itself is different. Maybe the rooms themselves. So there's some classrooms, there's some research labs. And we peek in and we see the classrooms don't have desks that are all facing forward. They're in a circle because we have a large number of deaf and hard of hearing students. And we want to mm-hmm. make sure that when we give our lectures and we teach our classes, everybody can participate, everybody can learn. We're accommodating, we're changed, we're different. This is a different space because it is inclusive. When you look into the lab, you're seeing children playing because it's okay to bring your kids to work and have that as an incorporated space. You're seeing people standing out in the hallways, taking a break, learning a new TikTok dance because we're human and we bring our full selves into our workspace. And it's okay to take these breaks and show people in a public space that we're human and we do human things like Follow trends on TikTok. Uh, you see kids in 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 the lab that are wearing hijabs that are in wheelchairs. Maybe you always have your happy hour, your Friday happy hours, are on the, this one bar because it's on the first floor and it's more accessible to the people who are uh, have physical disabilities, right? We're mm-hmm. just th- really like the the whole practice is just like how much can I imagine as being different? How many different people can I think of when I think of this? image of the future. Uh, And you start to really think like, oh, this, that means how their work hours are different. Our deadlines are different. Our grant application process is different. How we publish, maybe we're not publishing as much. Maybe we're Mm -hmm. giving more talks because what's spoken is as valuable as what's written. Right, we're mm-hmm. shifting what we're doing to be far more inclusive. And if you think about these things, you get this knee-jerk reaction, like, "Oh, well, you can't do that. That's not science." <laughs> then you're not actually. You're going to stay in this exclusive regimen. That's like it. It has to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. I think, and I've said this earlier before, and I'll say it again that it, the amount of change that has to happen. For STEM, for academia in particular, to be genuinely inclusive is far more vast than what people are expecting right now. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. breaking down all of the walls, maybe even literally. (laughs) Well,
0: it's breaking with you know hundreds, hundreds of years of 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 past experience, Mm -hmm. Uh, and and I think that's that is it's funny because I often talk about this thing of breaking with the past just because of this issue of there's only 15 to 20% of people coming out of grad school who are going to be professors yet like you said before that when you're in grad school that's all that they that's the carrot that they put in front yeah. of all of us yep right yep but we know we've known now for years that 50 to 80% so you know some people can say around academia maybe not you know without being a tenured professor but then 50% of people will go mm-hmm. out and it's super interesting that you say this because it it's true. It's it's can it's building a new academia. <laughs> it's big, almost almost from scratch. The brain, you know, our brains are the same. The way we learn are are the same. It's just a question of it's the institution. It's the baggage, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's really. I think that's what's difficult. Is it's re- it's really difficult to get rid of baggage.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I have been seeing and i will I will just make the disclaimer that I know I'm in a bubble at c u Boulder because there's a lot of revolutionary people that are doing really radical things, and I'm like, "Oh, this is the whole world um, <laughs> but, but I have been seeing a lot of people who are going through the academic track so they can build they can create their own schools they can create mm-hmm. like they, i mean we're really in a place of innovation we're really in a place of very empowered entrepreneurs and it's not just entrepreneurs who are coming up with a new startup they're entrepreneurs that are coming up with the new classroom with the new way of Mm -hmm. learning with the new way of communicating um and so it's really exciting i i really think that the more we see the 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 trickle of diversity that makes it through mm-hmm. the, the washing machine that is academia <laughs> when they come out on the other end, they're really, you know, putting in work. Uh, and so I, I think we're in the next five, 10 years, we're really going to see a lot of the impacts, a lot of the, the, the successes of these people.
0: I, I now I want to visit because this sounds really <laughs> awesome. I, I, I have a question for you. So uh-huh. based on this, you know, uh, uh there can be an industry, uh, depending on who you talk with. There's mm-hmm. parts of industry who actually go and 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 like almost hunt for PhDs. But I feel that we are coming out of a, maybe a decade where uh, the the way to to be um, uh, how, can I say, how can I say a great candidate for some domains was to get an MBA, mm-hmm. and it might have felt for some people like, oh, okay, I chose a PhD, I made the wrong choice, right and what i'm hearing from what you're saying is no a phd is a way of the future yeah and i, I sometimes try to to to, you know, to to think about that a lot and, and and find kind of a narrative for that but you gave this kind of to me futuristic you know, futuristic picture. And I was, I was really like almost seeing it in the eye of my mind and it was really cool ab- about this, this, uh, this inclusive future of people being able to engage with knowledge wherever they, they come from and it's really exciting, but do you have yourself based on your experience going through a PhD, a kind of a, I don't know, a tagline or, a. a you know what does it mean in the twenty first century, or what's what you feel it's going to mean to have a PhD in in the society, the the future society?
1: Yeah, uh, I want to say really I know fast. In, <laughs>
0: I know it's this is coming out of the blue. Eh? I <laughs> no,
1: I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do want to say that I was I was looking. You know, I was steadfast looking to get out of academia. I was looking in uh, um, data science and science communication and, and mm-hmm. I was really fervently looking for about a solid year of just mm-hmm. being in the job market. And one thing that I know that I don't think people tell you is that outside of academia, nobody knows what a PhD is. <laughs> and then they see the PhD and the number of times that interviews, they're like, well, why don't you want to be a professor? You have a PhD. And I'm like, God. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like oh I know, if only yeah. i could tell you um and so there's there's this we're this awkward phase right now where we have a, this efflux of phds going out into a world that doesn't know how to deal with them exactly uh i got more hits uh, more successes with uh, interviews and and uh, kind of going through the job process if I said I had a master's in neuroscience, which is absurd. It's very rare <laughs> <laughs> to have a master's in neuroscience, um, than if I said I had a PhD. So just just putting that yeah. out there that the world isn't quite, we haven't massed the numbers yet where people are like, oh, I understand. You're just very uh, practiced in budget management, project management, uh uh overhead administration mm-hmm. um on top of like coding and al- analytics the myriad things that you're doing in your in your phd and so that is really kind of that's 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 the, that's the baby that's the that's the egg is that you've mm-hmm. gotten so much experience in your phd that is not your thesis (laughs) it is it is the product of your thesis but it is not the goal right and so we're not we we don't really we're absolutely not trained to think about how what our phd is in in these terms of like in the language of other sectors right we're exactly we're not taught that we're doing data science we're not taught that we're doing database management (laughs) but we are (laughs) We are project managing. We are uh, meeting with stakeholders. Every time you have a committee meeting, you're meeting with stakeholders. Every time you write a report about your grant that you got and you're you're sending your reports back annually or your end of grant report, you're talking with stakeholders. The -hmm. language is just different. And so coming out, we really are very well equipped to become entrepreneurs. There are absolutely things to learn, right? There's a whole reason why there's a degree to, to run businesses. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you come out really ahead of the average person. You have a really great skill set. And on top of that, what you learn as a PhD is you learn how to learn. You learn how to seek out resources. You learn how to build. And so that's like the foundation that you need Mm -hmm. to do really any kind of business development successfully. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's getting in this practice, I think, uh, to really be successful as like a a PhD now that's going out, you really have to think about what's the language? How are are we saying the same thing with different words? Uh, How can I change what I'm talking about to fit that new language? Look at job applications, see what's out there. And yeah. and even, like, look for some talent you have. You can code an R, right? Just plug that into an Indeed search and just see what comes up. What can you actually <laughs> do with that? And how are people talking about it? Um, I think that's, that's really, really important because it gives you a sense of what the market is. And while you're still getting your PhD, you have time to kind of cater your skill set and your language toward it.
0: Yeah. Definitely look at, at job postings yeah. is definitely a really good one because then if you if you look at the you know ten of them, you'll see that our thing in the same domain, you'll mm-hmm. see that there are keywords that are gonna come, yes, come yes, back. Yes, yes, And then find those keywords. Where does my experience fit with this keyword? And then if you're creating either a resume or a LinkedIn profile, yep. include those use keywords. Those words, in there.
1: exact words. <laughs>
0: exactly. Copy and paste it. <laughs> and then and then also Talk, talk if you can talk with people or having walk coffees like you you were saying, you know, coffee walks. Yeah, that's a great opportunity too. If they have this, they have followed this path that you want to go into. That that's something I, I, I share a lot, and I I totally agree. Yeah. Um, Shaz, we are we are getting to the end of our our interview, sadly. Yeah. Uh, although now I I, I kind of want to read your 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 comics. We'll have to talk about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. But um, I'll i actually let you talk about that in a minute. But before I I think. We've covered a lot of interesting stuff. I think the listener must at least myself just listening to you, I created a great like, beautiful picture in my mind of what things could look like not so far from today, so i'm gonna i'm gonna hope for that very strongly yeah. but uh for you know the listener who's out there who's maybe going through a situation kind of you know your experience going through graduate school, mm-hmm. feeling maybe I haven't found my tribe yet. Um, you know, I can't. I can't use my voice. Uh, I have to have my guard up all the time. Thinking of you know that you're in front of an o- a audience of, of listeners who are in, in this situation, who um, who uh, maybe don't have a safe space or not yet at least where they are. Do you have one or two uh, words of of uh, inspiration, uh, encouragement, or advice for them uh, just to to finish our conversation?
1: Yeah, I. First, I, I feel for you. <sighs> Ooh, I feel for you. That is, it is a hard, 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 hard position to be in. It just, it really can break people down. Uh, and so I think, I think the two things, there's two things that I think are, are really important to focus on. One is joy and the other is rest and getting in the practice of valuing these two things as much as your work is valued as much as you have demands to continue with your work and so with joy joy is found joy is found there is always joy there and you have to be in the practice of finding it maybe there's a game that you like to play, a thing that you like to do, a place that you like to go, but there's always joy. And one one thing I do to to kind of find okay what 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 it actually brings me joy, right? Not happiness, not the manic up state, <laughs> right? <laughs> joy, the thing that's closer to peace, that's closer to balance. Is at the end of the day, you have a really great day where you're just like, yeah. And you just feel that lightness in your chest. And you're like, oh, this is so good. I love what I'm doing. This is excellent. I had such a great day. What happened in that day? Write that down. Keep track of that. Because that is how you find joy. That's your path to finding it. Get in the practice of finding joy. Even when you're depressed and you're distraught and you're mad, take that time to find joy because your joy is important. And the second is rest. You don't have to earn rest. You don't have to earn rest. Rest is a right. Uh, Rest looks different for different people. Rest might be going dancing. Rest might be sitting and meditating. Rest might be cooking a good meal for yourself. Going out and and splurging every once in a while to get someone to make that meal for you. That's rest. Make sure you make that a practice, Um, especially if you don't have a place to go, especially if you don't have people to talk to. Those two things will that's that's nourishment that's that's self-care that's love you know you got to got to keep that no one's going to do it for you
0: well shaz i don't know if i'm going to keep it but i want to say amen because (laughs) that it's it's funny because you you just distilled in two words you know things that i when i talk about I, i talk about mental health i talk about wellness i talk about community and uh Anyway, I'm not going to say any anything more because I, I want the, your words to echo in people's minds. Thank you, Shaz. Yeah, thank now, you. Shaz, if some, if people want to reach out to you, they were inspired by our conversation. They are they are curious about your project. Maybe you want to collaborate. How do they reach out to you?
1: Yeah, uh, I welcome any and all people to come. Say hey, shout me out. Come hang <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, I'm on all the platforms, all the things. I'm uh, I'm on Instagram and. Uh, Twitter. I'm at the dr. z. that's t h e d o c t a z The dr. Z. Um, and you could check out my work and what I have done and what I'm doing now on my website, and that's curious dr z curious drz.com uh and yeah i'll be i'm constantly i'm really active on on instagram feel free to dm me to get get in my dms uh come <laughs> chat with me and if you want to go the old-fashioned route and you're better at writing things out you can shoot me an email it's shaz s-h-a-z at colorado.edu i really hope to hear from you guys i'd love to chat
0: perfect shaz yeah. i will share all of those in the show notes Again, thank you so much for having uh, accepted my invitation to come on oh, the thank show. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really, really happy with, with uh, where we went with this conversation and really thankful for, for all you've shared. I, I'm sure that this will, will help at least a handful of the listeners out hope there. So. If, if, if it does, just one, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thanks.
0: I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. If you want to thank Shaz, or look into the resources we share during the conversation, just go to papaphd.com forward slash 100, where you'll find all the links in the show notes. If you're new to the show, I strongly recommend going to papaphd.com forward slash start and exploring the themed starter packs I've prepared for you. Papa PhD is a labor of love. If you like the show and have found value in it, you can pay it forward by donating, to help other people like you hear Papa PhD. Even a $5 one-time donation will be really appreciated. So go to papaphd.com forward slash support to donate or to papaphd.com forward slash Patreon to become a patron. Your support will help me cover the cost of hosting, equipment and other recurring expenses needed to bring you a high quality show week after week. Thank you for being a fan. This is David Mendes, see you on the next episode of Papa PhD.